0: Today we are getting back to the book of Ecclesiastes, and, uh, and we are in chapter 4, and we are going to look at verses 4 through 6. I think it says 3 through 6, but we're actually beginning in verse 4, and uh, we've got to get reoriented to this book where Solomon begins, Vanity of vanities, all is Vanity. Uh, That's in the background of everything he says. Uh, But there's also another side, and that's uh, fear God and keep his commandments. For all stand before him one day. So let's read now, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 4. Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God uh, abides forever. Uh, Let's pray for his blessing. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's powerful. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now we pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the conviction that we need to show us, Lord, where our thinking and our living are out of accord with your word. But then show us, Lord, the way forward. Show us the way of grace through Jesus Christ. Show us the way forward by the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Sanctify us by your word. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, as you know, and he talks about life from two perspectives throughout this book. There's life under the sun, that's the earthly perspective, human wisdom, secular wisdom, and then there's life under heaven, and that's from God's perspective. Uh, And, uh, of course, life without God is vanity. It's all empty. It's meaningless. It's pointless. And that's true of every area of life. Uh, And today... Uh, we think of this area of work. Uh, there, there are things that we do in life. We work, we eat, we sleep, we play, and those are some of the major categories of life. So work is a very uh, huge part of our life. Uh, a lot of time in our life is given over to work. But without God, it's empty. It's, it's pointless. But we all, we all work, and God created us to work. We know that. We go back to Genesis uh, before the fall. Uh, in Genesis 2.15 it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it so God put Adam uh, to work and, and so working in the garden of Eden before sin we can't imagine but it, it was, must have been pure delight and pure joy and somehow imagine Adam got to work in the garden and he didn't even have to get dirty because that's my problem with working you know, in the garden I just don't like to get too dirty <coughs> Um, but I think I could have handled the Garden of Eden quite well, uh, free from trouble, free from weariness uh, in, in the pre-fall existence of Adam and Eve. But when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, we heard our elder brother Stephen uh, pray, uh, the whole human race was plunged into sin and corruption. And here's what God said in Genesis 3, uh, Cursed it the ground for your sake and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. So work for all of us. Now, we wonder why work isn't so fun, so joyful, so um, pleasant anymore. Well, it's because of the curse. And and that's work under the sun. That's work without God in the picture anymore. But we know uh, that when Adam may Eve sinned, that's not the end of the story. We know that... Uh, there, there is redemption. It was promised in Genesis 3:15 that the son of the woman would bruise, uh, would crush the serpent's head. And so, a redemption work can be redeemed. To be, it has been redeemed for believers to be a blessing. And yet, as Christians, we still struggle with work, and we tend, like with a lot of things, to to take things to extremes. We can, uh, and we'll see that in in this lesson today. Uh, But Solomon helps us, I think, to find balance in our approach to work in this passage. And there's three problems connected with work that he brings out. Uh, And one is envy, second is sloth, and another is clamor or restlessness. So first, let's take a look at envy. In verse 4 from the New King James, it says, Again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This is vanity and grasping for the wind. Uh, and other translations uh, have it slightly different, uh, that, uh, that a person works hard and gives himself um, uh, to work uh, because of envy. Uh, and, and so either way, the, the point is that Solomon is making, it, uh, however you take it, is that envy is a problem uh, with work. Work Uh, We we envy the success of other people, or maybe people envy our success, and uh, we are the sad beneficiaries of that. But what is envy? Envy is something that uh, we don't hear as much about uh, these days, Uh, but the English word envy comes from a Latin word that means to look against, to look with ill will toward another. Uh, So it's a very evil thing, envy is. And it's strongly condemned in both the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, it is, there is a distinction between envy and jealousy. Uh, jealousy is, um, uh, you know, we're jealous of what's ours. We're envious of what it, it belongs to our neighbor. Uh, we, you know, jealousy, I'm, I'm afraid to lose what I have. Envy is I resent someone for what they have that I don't. So envy is the feeling uh, that you deserve the possessions, the accolades, the success, the talents of others and uh, the blessings that others have. And you want them to feel bad for the blessings that they have. And uh, you uh, want to put them down uh, so that you could somehow feel better about yourself. But That doesn't happen. Envy makes you feel worse about yourself and others. It breeds all kinds of evil things. Someone has said that envy is a product of inferiority. People resent those who are better than themselves in in a certain area. And we talk about equality and and there's a certain sense in which all men are created equal. I mean, we have equal opportunities uh, in this life uh, and uh, we are all equally sinners, but all Equally can find, uh, if we will turn from our sins, uh, salvation and forgiveness with the Lord. But God didn't create us all equal. We're all different. Uh, We have different gifts and talents and abilities. So it's coveting what others have, envy is, plus this resentment about what they have that I don't. Uh, and, and, and we see this today, not only at the individual level, but in society as a whole. Uh, and it's very destructive. It, it, it can destroy, it's death uh, to any society, any culture. And, and it's often used envy is often used as a political weapon today. Uh, it's very sad, but we see this: one group envies another, and we take that and, 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 and use it to get uh, political advantage. Uh, so uh, if someone envies uh, another group and uh, they go to the government and say, you've got to put that group down um, because they, they are somehow have achieved success uh, and we have not. And, uh, you know, uh, but Solomon says that, that, that envy, envying one another is vanity and grasping for the wind. It doesn't profit at all for us to do that. Uh, It it is one of the seven deadly sins that used to be talked about in this country. Uh, uh, You know, and envy is even, sadly, encouraged, as I said. But you know what the seven deadly sins are? It's not a list that you find, you know, directly in the Bible, like these are the seven deadly sins. But it was something somebody came up with, but they are sins mentioned in the Bible. And they are pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed. And sloth, and these were this list. Someone came up with this list, and it's thought to be you know the most basic sins that plague humanity. Uh, and 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 it is worthwhile for us to a- examine our lives uh, and look at that list. There are various lists in the Bible of sins, but this is a good list that we need to look at. Look at ourselves in the mirror. And, and the sin of envy is one that easily flies under the radar. You know. Uh, are you able to identify envy in your own life? Uh, well, I'm here to help today <laughs> with that. Uh, I've been having to do it all week as I've been studying, so you're going to have to do it too. Uh, but it often lurks beneath the surface in our hearts, and we're unaware of it. Uh, so what are the, some of the signs of envy in a person's life? Well, envy is often present in our lives when we engage in this constant comparison of ourselves with others. Comparing yourself with other people is, all, is a way to breed envy. Do you ever look at someone's life saying, I, I wish I could be like them, or I wish they weren't so, so good, so successful, or well, why can't I be like that? You know, um, Whether it's looks, grades, friends, uh, possessions, constantly measuring yourself against other people and comparing yourself to them uh, can be a breeding ground for envy another sign of envy is is that you catch yourself gloating when other people fail aha you know or good they got what they deserved um, and there's sometimes when justice all right justice is, is we want justice but sometimes we're just glad when successful people say, they done, uh, fail they haven't failed haven't done anything wrong I, I um, was listening to um, to a brief little message, uh, economist uh, Thomas Sowell, uh, uh, older gentleman, he's still alive and he has a lot of wisdom. And, and uh, you know, today we, we have uh, this, this intense anti-Semitism in our culture. Uh, people all around the world uh, seem to hate the Jewish people. And uh, and, and someone asked Thomas Sowell, why do people hate Jews so much? Because he wrote about it in a book. And, and he said, well... Uh, they're hated mainly because they're a minority, and yet they're, highly, they're, they're far more successful and prosperous uh, for their, in their minority status than most people. And someone said, well, what, what would you say to the Jewish people uh, you know, to, to try to diminish the hatred that the world has uh, of them? What would you tell the Jewish people to do to, 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 to reduce that hatred they have? He said, I'd tell them to do one thing, fail. Uh, because because of the envy and the resentment and then the hatred that comes. Uh, that, that's human nature. That's sinful human nature. Uh, gloating when others fail. You're not happy when others achieve success. And it's you know it's not only unhappiness. It's resentment. I remember talking with uh, a gentleman one time in another church, and uh, you know people do like to talk about other people, and uh, this person had resentment towards uh, another person. In, the, in that church. And their comment to me was, well, oh, she was just born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Like, that was some kind of evil thing. She was born into a family that was blessed with wealth. Uh, and it's easy for us to look at people who are much better off than us and think, well, who do they think they are? Right? Well, they're blessed, for one thing. We can we can see that. Uh, and and uh, they're not necessarily evil, but uh, it, it brings out sometimes the worst in us. We envy the gifts. We envy the talents that God has given to others, and it pains us uh, to see them. We, we do this in the church, right? We envy others who have gifts and talents, uh, who uh, are given praise. What if someone you hear someone being praised, uh, and you say, well, I didn't get praised. You know, nobody's praising me, nobody, uh, you know, and we envy that person, we resent that person in the church. So envy is contrary to the, someone said, envy is contrary to the mind of Christ and to the spirit of the gospel. It's the exact opposite of the spirit of Christ. Proverbs 14.30 says, a sound heart is life to the body. We all want a sound heart, we want life, but envy is rottenness to the bones, and we know that's true. You want to, you want, you want your soul to rot. Nurse the envy in your heart, and you'll get it. So we need to identify the signs of envy. We need to confess those sins to the Lord, and we, and we need to just put an end into it. We need to repent, and we need to find a way out, a way forward, so that we don't uh, engage in it, and uh, and so that we overcome it. You know, uh, envy is a very self-centered thing. It's, it's a focus on self. Uh, if someone's praised, we're upset that we didn't get praised. Someone succeeds, we're upset that that our success wasn't as great. Uh, you know, it's all about me. Uh, someone we know is happy in a relationship. You know, we are bitter that we aren't in a happy relationship. You know, they don't deserve that. Um, and uh, I've seen this, uh, and, and of course, we all have to look at our own lives. And, and most of you are familiar with the shooter in Nashville uh, a few weeks back now who shot six people at Covenant Christian School. And uh, uh, this girl, who pretended to, to be a, a, a boy or a man, uh, she, she shot three children and three adults, I think, and I don't know what was in her heart, but it's, all signs point to envy being a, a strong factor there. And you probably heard in the news that part of her so-called manifesto uh, was leaked, uh, um, you know, into the news last week. And in one part, she here's what she said. Uh, she said, kill those kids, she's speaking to herself, those crackers, going to private fancy schools who fancy with fancy khakis and sports backpacks, with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. I wish to shoot you with your mop yellow hair. I want to kill all you little crackers, bunch of little blank blanks with your white privileges. Now it turns out that she was white and she had actually been a student at that school in the past. And maybe she wasn't very well accepted uh, in that school. I I don't know. Uh, Perhaps she never fit in, but, but it's clear that she had envy resentment toward uh, the children and and the parents uh, of the people at that school and and, you know um, I'm also going to say this that I think that because of what just little that we read from her manifesto that it was likely this envy was likely stoked by the current uh, ideologies that are out there critical race theory being one and uh, you know other woke ideologies that uh, provoke hatred and stirred up in our country and uh, there are other possible reasons we don't know yet because the the, uh, law enforcement won't tell us but it's, you know, 99% of mass shootings are committed by males, 99% roughly. And uh, she was trying to transition into a male which is impossible of course but um, and she was perhaps taking testosterone, which makes a person uh, do things like that more often than, than uh, if you were not a male, so to speak. So a lot of that factors involved, but envy, you see, was stoked and stirred up in her heart, however it came about, and a great evil came from it. But that's not the worst case of envy that I've ever heard of. There's one that's far worse than that. And that's when the Jewish leaders arrested the innocent, sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. He turned him over to Pilate to be crucified. What had he done? He had done nothing wrong, he had done nothing against them. So they arrested him and they turned him over to Pilate. In Matthew 27, Pilate said to the Jews who turned him over, Who do you want, who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew they had handed him over because of envy. Wow, the Jewish leaders, because of envy, handed over the the sinless Son of God to be crucified. They had they wanted to kill God because of their envy. You see, that's where it goes. We need to realize what envy does in our lives. But they had been envious of Jesus' popularity, and they were jealous of his fame and his honor among the people Uh, they were provoked by his goodness have you ever been provoked by someone who's who's just the goody two-shoes right as as kids we might do that but uh we are provoked by holiness just like a person who played golf around a golf with billy graham one time and at the end of the round someone says well how what was it like playing with Billy Graham, you know, playing around the golf with Billy Graham. And, and they said it was horrible. You know, I, I just don't like people shoving the Bible down my throat. And they said, well, what did he say to you? And he said, "We well, didn't say anything. Uh, he was just around this man who uh, convicted him because Billy Graham was a godly man. And so they envied Jesus. They killed him. And yet Jesus went to the cross to save them. If they would have trusted in him, and some did, of course, who derided him. Some of the Pharisees came to know Christ. Do you have envy in your heart? Be honest with yourself. James 3.14 says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Be honest about your, your sin. And envy, like any other sin, can be forgiven it's a horrible sin it's it motivated people to put the son of god on the cross but it can be forgiven if we confess it if we repent of it if we trust in the lord who died in our place but after we repent of our sins and we've come to christ and sought his forgiveness we also need to learn how to overcome envy and uh you know, John the Baptist said uh, repent, but then he said also produce fruits in keeping with repentance. Uh, show yourself to be repentant. Live a different life, a new life. And What are some steps to deal with envy and overcome it to keep its rotten fruit out of our lives? Well, I'll give you a few things to think about. First, ask yourself, why is it that you feel envious of others? Is it really... Uh, the other person that's the problem, or is it something in your own heart that you're lacking, your own life that you're lacking? If it's something you're lacking, it's not the fault of the other person. You're just taking it out on them. Step back and, and see that, and then focus on improving that area of your life that you're lacking in. Uh, secondly, uh, begin to pray for the welfare of others. Uh, and Certainly, if you're tempted uh, to be envious at someone, pray for that person. Pray that God would continue to bless them and in that way, God will bless you as well. Third, begin to look for and appreciate the good that you see in other people. It's very easy to look at other people with a critical eye, I know. Um, this is what we all do. And uh, But look for ways to encourage and to sincerely compliment people in your life and give thanks to God for the gifts and abilities that he's given to others. You see, thanksgiving is, is very, very... Um, Very important in dealing with envy, because thanksgiving and envy can't coexist together. Fourth, get off of social media. Uh, Social media makes it easier to compare yourself with others, and that's what we need to stop doing if we would overcome envy. So what I'm saying is, no, it's not a sin to be on social media, but if you're struggling with envy, you probably need to get off of social media. Fifth, ask God to fill your heart with Christ-like love, for other people, read and reread 1 Corinthians ten, uh, verse. I mean, chapter thirteen, uh, and it tells us what love looks like. It tells us what love does, and it says this: It says, "Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy." Again, love and envy can't exist together. It, if you are filled with the love of Christ, you will not be filled with envy. And you and I, we all have faults. We all sin in many, many ways. But what has the Lord done for us? He's forgiven us. Uh, He has uh, blessed us. And He loves us in spite of our faults. He loved you enough to go to the cross for you. Uh, Even though we we sinned against Him in in many, many, many ways. And yet He forgave us. Pray that God would infuse that kind of sacrificial love in your own heart for other people. And then, um, you know, if you're envious of, of, of what... Someone has realized that this is the providence of God. God is in control of who you know gets talents and blessings and so forth. Uh, and, and and so accept God's providence in your own life. No, you know God didn't make me six foot six. I would like to be six foot six, uh, you know, because I, I think that would be advantageous in playing uh, athletics, especially when I was younger. And you know, but God didn't create me that way. So I accept. We need to accept God's providence in our lives. So the circumstances that we're in uh, and, and who we are, you know, whether I was born a male or a female, things like that. And uh, it doesn't mean you can't. If there's, not, if there's room for improvement, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to improve. Uh, certainly that is possible uh, with talents, appearance, and, and even our circumstances. And yet, uh, we ought to realize that God is in control of our lives and, you know, where we were born and, you know, what kind of life we grew up with and so on and so forth. Rejoice that he is working all things together for your good, okay? You say, I wish it was this way. I wish I could be like this or that. No, God is working all things for good for you. He's got a personal, tailor-made plan for you. We're going to move on, and we'll spend a lot less time very briefly covering these last two things. Sloth, in verse 5. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Well, sloth or laziness, as, as you recall, is one of the seven deadly sins that I read about earlier. To fold the hands is to be lazy, essentially to say, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to work. Um, and, and, of course, those who are lazy uh, might be unsuccessful in life uh, because they put forth a little effort. It only makes sense, right? And laziness and envy actually feed off of each other. We look at the success of others and we envy them. And, and part of their success may be not just the blessing of God, but because they did work hard. They did discipline themselves. They, uh, they gave themselves you know, to, to uh, achieve what they've achieved. And, um, and so we envy them. And so we're actually envying them for their discipline and their hard work ethic that we don't have. Maybe it's not so much the things that they've achieved, but it's the strength that they exercise, the strength of character that they had uh, in being disciplined and so forth. Well, another example of laziness in our culture is seen uh, today in those who expect the the government or just other people in general to take care of them, uh, whether it's through welfare or just, um, you know, just expect people to take care of them. Uh, you, you know, students today expect the government to pay for their school, uh, to to get rid of their loans. They shouldn't have to shouldn't have to work or pay off their loans. Someone else should have to do that. Well, the Bible tells us the person who will not work should not eat, and laziness is condemned all throughout the Bible. And I could go on reading verse after verse, but the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, "Aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business." To work with your hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So part of of our work ethic that we ought to have, a biblical work ethic, is is a witness to the world. Uh, So we we don't want to be lazy. We want to work with our hands uh, so that we can have a proper witness towards those who are outside, as well as providing for our families. But... We can apply this spiritually too. I mean, this is a a big thing. To uh, you know, our spiritual laziness will uh, result in uh, in a lack of spiritual growth. So, uh, the Bible tells us, "You'll we'll reap what we sow. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption." He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So how are you doing spiritually? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? And if not, it may be that laziness, spiritual laziness, is part of that. Uh, if we're too lazy to make time to read the Scriptures, to, to spend time in prayer, or meet with others to do that, uh, then we may not make much progress in the Christian life. Uh, but we also need to think of kingdom work. Um Kingdom work, not just working on my own personal growth, but the kingdom of God. Are we working for our master, the Lord Jesus? Are we laboring in his kingdom to bring others uh, to know him, bring others into contact with the word of God, inviting them to church, building relationships with them, and so on? And in John 4, Jesus said this. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I must work the works of him Uh who sent me while it's day? The night's coming when no one can work. So, God's given us work to do in His kingdom. And uh, as well as, and it's maybe connected to our uh, work by which we earn a living, but uh, our main task on earth is to do the Father's will. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what we ought to be uh, about. Instead of envying people who are more spiritually mature, who are serving God in great ways, uh, Instead of envying them, we need to uh, follow their example. One old saint named Fuller wrote down this prayer. He says, Lord, turn my envy into emulation. If I'm tempted to envy someone, I really should be probably emulating their example, especially in the spiritual sense. Last of all, uh, to the final point in the passage from verse 6, uh, we see Solomon talking about this, what I would call a restless, workaholic, uh, clamorous, uh, lack of contentment. Verse 6, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. So on the one hand, of course, we're not to be lazy, uh, but we're to work uh, hard enough to make a living if, we, if we're if we able, and, uh, and to pro- provide for ourselves and others in need. And then on the other hand, uh, we're not to become workaholics. We're not to be those who restlessly, clamorously work day and night to get ahead, to get more and more and more. They never stop. They never rest. Um, They're two extremes. And and we're all familiar with the warnings in the Bible, which are many, about the danger of uh, riches, especially the love of riches. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Uh, That's certainly not uh, what our culture tells us today. Um, Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. Things. And uh, the love of money. Uh, Paul wrote, uh, he says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Proverbs says, do not overwork to be rich. Oh God, may bless you, your work, and you 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 may uh, be more wealthy than most. Uh, that's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but is that what you live for? Uh, to get ahead, to to have more and more and more. When will it end? You know, how much do you need uh, in the end? Well, you'll never have enough if you, if that's your attitude. So, what's the solution to all this restless toil to get ahead? Um, and keep up with the world. Well, it's not to go to the other extreme and just say, chunk it all. I'm going to go, um, you know, uh, just get a camper and just just live in a van down by the river or something like that. Um, no, that's not 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 the other option. The the option is somewhere in between. This happy medium between laziness and overwork and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, there's working enough. Uh, uh, to, to, to provide for our needs, and then to enjoy those things, those earthly blessings, uh, to enjoy the, the relationships, the people that God has put in our lives, and, uh, and to learn the art of biblical contentment. Paul said, I've learned to be content. And that's, we can learn it too. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Well, that's a pretty low bar, isn't it? Food and clothing. I've I've never been without food and clothing. That means I should have been content every second of every day of my life. But I haven't been. I, I know you haven't either. So, are you content? Or is your heart in a state of turmoil? Envy distress, anxiety that you don't have what you want Um, if you're content with what you have you're not going to be envious of people around you if you're content with God's gifts and blessings uh, you're going to have God's peace and you're going to enjoy those blessings far more than the person who has way more than you we often see right, that the the ultra wealthy are, are, are not very happy we know the reason because money doesn't buy happiness it's that's not what it's about it's not possible so Psalm 128 says blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways when you eat the labor of your hands you shall be happy and it shall be well with you um, simple things in life lived out of thanksgiving and praise and contentment uh, will make you happy and that's what we want. We all want to be happy. So as we reflect on what we've learned, I'm just going to give these quick, quick bullet points. Okay. First of all, you need to learn to fear God and, and then work for Him. Second, be content with what you have. Third, be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, four, admire and appreciate. Don't envy others. Admire and appreciate the success of others. Perhaps you could learn that too, what, what they've learned. You could emulate them. Fifth, repent of envy in your own heart and expose envy in our culture. Don't accept the underlying premise that uh, envy is an okay way to run government uh, it's, or to run a culture to live. And then six, show others a way to find joy and contentment after you have found this joy and contentment in Jesus Christ. We know that that's the only source. Of true joy and contentment is to know Christ. And last, number seven, find your identity in Jesus. Not your wealth, not your status, not your looks, not your abilities, not your money, not your gender, not anything else in this world. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. To receive Him, trust in Him, rest in Him and then follow him. Uh, you'll be happy. You'll be content. And you'll begin to to love people. You'll begin to work you know, for Christ and not for yourself. Uh, you won't have a problem with envy uh, if Jesus is your identity. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this passage in Ecclesiastes. It warns us about various sins that our sins that we can relate to because we've committed them, been guilty of these sins. Lord, uh, I pray that we've learned the lessons that Solomon would teach us today from his own experience. He had it all, uh, and, and, and he understood the things he was talking about. I pray, Lord, that you would take our eyes off of the things of this world, uh, and, and, Lord, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, we look forward to, to seeing you one day face to face. When we get to heaven, Lord, uh, we leave behind everything here on earth, but we gain uh, a thousand billion fold uh, in your very presence because uh, we know that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us now.